Have you ever thought that maybe you need to go backwards in order to move forwards in your faith? Go back to a more vintage Christianity with a refreshing return to an unapologetically sacred, historical, and Jesus-focused in ministry? A faith captivating hearts, minds, imaginations with the adventure that life with God is meant to be. My guest will unpack what this might look like. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst for Sat7 USA, and you are listening to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative approaches. The Unconventional Ministry Podcast has a new podcast every Tuesday morning. There's a lot of variety with fresh ministry ideas and ministry innovation, so I encourage you to subscribe and not miss one of our episodes. Last week, we talked about pastor's retirement and how many, so many pastors do not think about or plan for their retirement. An earlier podcast, we talked with Lisa, and she had her overcome her greatest fear, which was having conversations, and that actually met the biggest need of refugee Afghan women who really wanted authentic conversations and authentic relationships. Another podcast, we talked about TCKs, third culture kids, and what that means. So I'm one of those. So I encourage you to look at our podcast and listen and then share it, make comments. We really appreciate it. My guest is Derek Steele. He's an author, a screenwriter, and a pastor joining me from Michigan. So Derek, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Oh, thank you, Dennis. I'm so happy to be here and be able to share with you today. Yeah, you reached out and I was really interested in uh, your ministry and what you're doing, The Warrior's Path. You've written a book and uh, just wanted to start by talking about this idea of going back in order to move forward in your faith, captivating hearts, minds, imaginations with the adventure that life with God is meant to be done. Just talk to us a little bit about uh, the background of that idea and what you wrote about. Mm, Yeah. Well, the background is obviously from my own life, and I think you'll find that in most ministries, people gravitate to ministering in the area that um, they wish somebody would have ministered to them in during a certain period of life. So, um, you know, I grew up in the church and did everything that I was supposed to do. And uh, by 14, thought I wanted to go to the mission field. By 18, knew I wanted to, at the very least, be in full-time ministry. But I also, in my mid-20s, found myself um, feeling a split down the middle with two different deep desires. The desire to be a Christian and whatever that might mean, but also these other... um, deep longings for certain things like significance, like adventure, like feeling alive. And I found that those two things were not connected from my experiences in the local church, that that there wasn't a connection being made most of the time. And it wasn't the church's fault. The things I was feeling are are part of our time and history, our, our culture. There's all sorts of reasons that you can begin to feel like you are disconnected from a larger story, something to wake up in the morning and be excited about, to know you're entering into an adventure that has been going on and will continue on, but that for a brief period of time, uh, you get you take the stage. You God invites you into your moment to, to do or to not do, to fail. Um, and it's it's something that, because we live in a time where, honestly, the enemy of adventure is safety and control. And we right. live in a culture where we like to control everything and we like everything to be comfortable. One of my favorite authors, 
um, John Eldridge said at one point, he said, you know, we seek the path of least resistance and that is seldom the right path to take. And I, I just find that our entire culture is drawing us towards a safe and comfortable life. And there's something, especially in the hearts of men, but I'll be honest, I, I, I meet a lot of women who have a similar desire to feel like they're waking up out of a half-life and coming alive with something that innervates them, that that excites them, that makes them passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is what Christianity is supposed to be. Right. Now, going back to your 20s, you know, where you were going through this struggle, can you come up with some specific things that were maybe hindrances to achieving that which you desired in your relationship with God? Uh, for our podcast listeners, maybe identify a few things. Yeah, yeah. Well, to begin with, the materialism that I was surrounded with and the scientific worldview, I felt like the 20s, uh, actually for a lot of people, it happens in their mid-teens. Yeah, I see it even in my own son, who's only 14. There is this desire to, quote, grow up. Um, we want to be considered a grown-up. And we look around at the culture around us and the grownups around us to see what that's supposed to look like. And um, setting aside your childish fantasies and your fairy tales is one of the things that it looks like we're supposed to do. You see this in the journey of C.S. Lewis, where he felt that as he matured, he had to let go of those deep longings that were in him for something that he couldn't describe as something that was the whole story of his growing up as he wrote his biography, but then went through a period where he decided to be mature and grown up. He had to leave that behind. And it only was in his conversion back to Christianity that he realized that God was giving him back all of those vivid and beautiful dreams of, of life as it could be. So, um, yeah, I felt, I felt that the entire culture was telling me, um, you need to get serious, more serious. And I had already grown up thinking as a child, thinking I didn't ever want to become a grown up. My parents had been through a pretty, pretty awful divorce. And I remember by the age of nine, deciding that adults were never happy. (laughs) Right. I didn't see a lot of joyful, having a good time adults. And I, I feared the whole process. And as Christians, that uh, joy of our relationship with God and that walk with God, that should just uh, be visible to everybody we encounter. But mm, in yes. the church, in the church, we don't see that joy, right? Right. Yes. The church felt to me more like, honestly, a lot of rule keeping, a lot of ethics. Uh, the Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian ethics are a wonderful thing. Um, we tend to think they're the only type of ethics that have ever been invented, and they're not. If Christianity was only about its morals, its morality, um, I could understand why some people would want to go different routes and choose different types of morality. They're very similar in their moralities. What's different is in their story. The story of Christianity is this, this cataclysmic event of fall and loss and sorrow and hopelessness that is suddenly transformed by the coming of the king, um, the resurrection, the the restoring of all that was lost, the hope of what comes 
through that and what we've been invited back into, it is this grand adventure and it is in the form of a story. One of the most moving things I remember ever reading was in the Lord of the Rings when Sam and Frodo are on their way to Mordor. Uh, they're talking about stories and and they suddenly realize that the stories of the old days is is something that they are now, they've picked up the thread and they have entered into the same story. And and Sam's moment of epiphany was when he says, I, I wonder what sort of a story we've fallen into. And um, and I just had to embrace that. I had to realize this wasn't uh, what everybody else in church was pursuing or living from. And that, that was okay, that this was where God was calling me to be a, a spokesman, a herald, a, an example of somebody who took very seriously his command to become like a little child and to have the heart of a child again. Right. And then you talk about, uh, through your struggle, a convergence between religious thinking and this desire for meaning and significance in a heroic uh, Christian life. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the ministry that uh, God's entrusted to you, stewarded to you through this uh, these struggles that you've had. Well, uh, it was at least 15 years ago that I started dreaming along these lines with my best friend, my best friend since childhood. Part of the reason I was able to write the book that I wrote about male fellowship called The Last Lone Wolf, Recovering the Lost Sacrament of Friendship. The reason I was able to write that with integrity is because I've had the same best friend since I was 12. And even though we live a thousand miles apart, we communicate daily and have done so for most of our lives. Um, but he and I started to dream about um, being able to call. And at that time, we were still in mid-30s. And to call guys from the ages of 18 and 35 uh, into a more, um, a more eye-opening, exciting, romantic, epic view of what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, we started to we started to work on it, but we, it was it, it is a huge struggle. It is a huge struggle because most of the things we say about excitement and adventure and romance, they're metaphors, and mostly they're metaphors we use in the church without really subscribing to them ourselves. We use them for a good sermon, and then we move on. Uh, and we found it was very hard to develop something that we felt like was genuine, like people could could come and not just hear us use the terminology of a young Christian man being a warrior for God, but to really show them that this is a way of life, that the martial way of life, that a life of discipline, both spiritual and physical, um, is is a is a better way to keep your eyes squarely on the supernatural realm and on the war that God is waging in this world against evil. So your ministry is the warrior's path. Talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the things that you offer, guys, I guess, and uh, as well as women, in coming back to this vibrant, significant, meaningful relationship with Christ. Yeah, um, we, uh, we love the power of events. We love the power of the pilgrimage and the retreat, the opportunity our, our life is so fast-paced. Uh, we live in the shallows most of the time. We rarely get into deep places, the kind of places that God needs to go with us in order to 
um, you know, deep calling unto deep, and we're not walking in deep places, and he's calling, and we're not hearing. Right. And so we take full advantage. We love the events. We we put on these retreats. Uh, they're mostly very small, specifically for the reason that it's important for um, to escape from this mindset that we have right now. It's important for a man or a woman to feel significant, to feel like they are unique, that they have a role to play that can't be, it's not replaceable. Right. And and in order to do that, we as leaders of these this ministry need to have uh, time for personal connection with people. It's, it's not enough to preach a great message about intimacy to a group of 300 guys and walk away and not know a single one of them. You know, um, people need a place to unpack their story and they need to be able to see this sort of lifestyle lived out in person, not just up on stage, but in person. They need to see somebody who's obsessed with this, who who lives day in and day out, excited about the things of God, excited about their walk with Jesus, uh, fully believing that they are embroiled in a great adventure. And it's hard to do because we are the message in some ways, and we can't always live like that ourselves. And so it's a huge struggle to know that nothing I put together as far as curriculum is going to change someone's life nearly as much as me being able to effusively live that joy um, and that experience of walking with God that we want to share with others. So they have these meaningful conversations with you and other staff uh, amongst themselves and uh, authentic building authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts to to build. So your ministry is The Warrior's Path, but you're also an author. You've written a book. Tell us about that book. And then uh, you're a screenwriter, and you've produced a player. So that's really interesting as well, all along this line of what your ministry is, The Warrior's Path. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and it all stems from me being unapologetically a romantic. And so— you know, I'd like to be a warrior and I'd like to be a poet. Uh, they they kind of go together in our right. love of history. So um, the book, The Last Lone Wolf, was um, written because of the separation, the loneliness, the lack of deep personal connection that I see everywhere around me in our culture. We do not do relationships well. And I felt like it was worthy of a book. Um and I, I made some very bold statements in that. One of the bold statements I made in that book is that the number one indicator of how someone's walk with God and their relationship with God and their Christian life is going to progress and mature and go is not the quality of their upfront pastor. It's not the quality of the church they attend. It's not the podcast they listen to. The most strongest indicator of a healthy future looking forward is a question of who they spend their time with when they're free to spend their time with who they choose. Not because there's a small group organized, but because it's Friday night and there's pizza and what kind of guys are you with and what do you talk about? Um, And if you have spiritual relationships that are deep and intimate, uh, 
it's it's almost it's almost the strong it's the best it's the best thing that we have going outside of our own personal walk with God, our time alone with Jesus. The best thing that another human can do for us is to be in these intimate relationships. And we don't have them. We live without this fuel. Uh, we're mostly alone. We face, as guys, we face all these problems, terrified, not knowing what to do. We go to YouTube looking for an answer video. Um, <laughs> and you can't do that at the spiritual level. And so um, so I wrote this book. Uh, I was really excited about it. I knew it's kind of a niche that you know people aren't talking about very much. And I just wanted to put it out there and say, I think this is a subject that as Christians, we should be talking about doing relationships well. Um, you know, if we're going to claim that our entire religion is based on an intimate relationship with Jesus, and on the other hand, we're going to admit that we don't do intimate relationships well. So what are we really saying? That's a disconnect. <laughs> There's a huge disconnect. Right. So, um, so it bleeds over learning, learning the basic skills of friendship and time together and, and being there for each other and loyalty and trust and all those things. Every one of those things then feeds into how we can be walking with God. So, um, <clears throat> I, you know, it's a super, super central um, issue, I believe. So your your book, uh, it's not just a how-to book. It's not a manual. It's it's a novel that illustrates what this might look like. It's it's certainly not a how-to book. I mean, how-to brings us right back to that part of the culture, that task-oriented part of the culture that where the where the disconnect is, where, where I try not to swim in that right. end of the pool. Yeah. So uh, you'll read it, and it will feel at times meandering, and it will feel at times. Uh, romantic, and it will feel at times um, very personal. Uh, you know, I use stories always about myself because, not because I want to show off, but because it's central to my belief that we're trying to connect. Right. So how can people get a copy of this book? Well, it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, online, you know, in every every online store. It's also available on Facebook and on our website, on the Warriors Path website, uh, which is a very fun website, um, warriorspath.org, a great place to go and be encouraged. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 out there. I wish it was out there more than it was, but um, you know, it's a slow process. Being um, publishing something yourself is a daring and difficult task. So, but I hope there's many more to come. I'm uh, excited now that I've done it once. I've been doing it since I was nine years old, but this was the first time it's gotten out there to the public. So so are you already working on some more thoughts and maybe another oh, manuscript? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a group of guys. They're filmmakers and actors, young guys that hang out at my house every week, and we're always throwing out ideas for the next film. I wrote a film for them Uh uh, during 2020, when we were everybody was locked down, I, I wrote a film called Dinosaur Cove, based on an idea one of the guys brought to the table. And um, they, two of the guys that sit at my table, played the two main roles. The other guy that sat at my table filmed it and produced it, and it's out there. Uh, but we continue to sit together every week, dreaming up new ways that we can use media. Um, to send uh, really good Christian messages uh, 
um, that are often hidden, much like uh, C.S. Lewis loved to do in the Narnia Chronicles, um, things that are considered proto-evangelism, things that mm-hmm. baptize the imagination, make you hungry for holiness, as Lewis even admitted happened to him when he first read um, George MacDonald's Fantasties. So, Derek, this has been very interesting. I trust our podcast audience will check out your website, uh, purchase your book, uh, leave some comments for you. And if you have some comments for Derek, uh, leave them in the comments and he'll be sure to see them. This has been fascinating. So, Derek, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Oh, thank you, Dennis. It was a it was a blessing and an honor to be able to be on this with you. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.